Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rift Reaction. I'm Travis Gafford and I'm joined by... Emily Rand from an undisclosed location, aka my parents' house in Massachusetts. Yes, you are not You are not actually here with me in uh, Los Angeles right now, so we're going to have to... And your camera's not working. It's true. So I don't know how I'm... I can't tell if you're going to be frowning or angry whenever I, I share my takes this week, so <laughs> I'll just have to... Put them out there and see what happens. Anyway, uh, it has been it's been somewhat of a quiet week, Emily. I feel like you took a, a a good week to travel because I think it's been a little quieter on the LEC and LCS front. Uh, there's no major drama that's broken out. I don't think. Yeah, I feel like this is what the the only the second week in LCS that we haven't had something major. We do have some LCK drama that we're going to be going over later on. That kind of came at the tail end of last week, so I don't know if that yes. counts. Again, we're gonna talk about it later, but um, that that's the that was the biggest I think League of Legends drama that I saw was the T one coaching decision because that was yes you know that really like blew up. Well, uh, regardless, we will get into that, but first we've got some LEC topics. Emily wants to do a big deep dive into some fanatic stuff. We'll talk about that. Uh, we will discuss. Uh, unfortunately, we have to continue to talk about C- CLG when we get to the LCS <laughs> uh, and some uh, some other just sort of check ins on how the teams are doing. That uh, we'll have that LCK conversation, like you mentioned, as well as some uh, matches of the week and reaction shots. So it should be a quick and light and fun episode of Rift Reaction. But let's get into it. I guess there was a little bit of drama. Uh, because anytime you have Fnatic and G2 and something happens that's not just a normal game, there's going to be some drama with two very passionate fan bases. Uh, so let's talk about that, Emily. What what ended up happening? I know there were multiple pauses in the Fnatic and G2 game. I just saw my entire Twitter timeline blowing up with pause-related drama and Fnatic fans going at G2 fans. Whenever these two teams meet, it they always seem to put on like a really good show. It typically comes down to a few like minute decisions. Um, this was a great game. Uh, I really liked watching this game, and it just sucks that the momentum had to be disturbed twice by pauses. I also figure maybe we can do a little bit of a Whippo jungle watch right now looking at this game because I know he was uh, playing Jungle Karthus, right? He was on Jungle Karthus, and the reason I wanted to bring it up is I actually think this was one of his, like, individually worst jungle games. Um, and this was really where the rest of the Fnatic team, which is something I really like about, enjoy about watching this team, um, the rest of the Fnatic team really came to, you know, support him. Um, I've pointed out how his strength has been kind of leaned to jungle communication. I thought Yankos actually had, um, you know, better pathing in this game. Uh, he was able to take advantage of some of the openings that, um, Whippo left. So I think uh, when you have two junglers who seem to be, even when they're on power farming picks, really still want to be able to be impacting their lanes. G2's lanes were just in a forward position, which really allowed Yankos to kind of uh, take control of the game. Um, and, you know, that's that's not an easy feat against Fnatic because they've had pretty good jungle control, actually surprisingly strong jungle control. Uh, it's it's the top in the league still. So uh, in LEC. So I think, you know, I was really 
um, impressed at how the Fnatic team played, despite the fact that I think it was one of Bwipo's, like individually worst performance. Speaking of Fnatic, we're going to spend a lot of uh, today's LEC section talking about Fnatic because one of the things that you and I were discussing before this is that there are some teams out there like EG, FlyQuest, and in fact, you and I didn't even mention this, but I think TSM even falls into this category where like when they don't have a like particular standout player or a couple different players where everybody's like oh yeah that's like perks or caps or whatever the and they were just kind of quietly winning through the combination of of the five of the players making good decisions uh we tend to like not talk about those teams as much just because it feels harder i think for people to latch on to like a single personality or narrative and is there a chance it it seems like that might be what's been happening with fanatic as well this split emily yeah so we've we've talked a lot about fanatic through whippo jungle but we haven't really talked about the team holistically and like what has made this team both strong but also at the same time i still think people have weirdly hesitated to call Fnatic a strong team. In a similar vein, you mentioned evil geniuses. I think that's a really good example because people have hesitated for a long time to call them a good team in the LCS, despite the fact that uh, I thought that they were really strong. And the similarity between these two teams is that they they each have five individual players that play the game in a very similar way. Um, in the LEC, this is actually what I had initially expected from Vitality, if you remember, going into this split. I was really yes. nice about their roster. And I was really, like, cautiously optimistic, didn't really know what was going on with Fnatic, right? Like, I was like, this could be terrible or it could be great. And it's turned out to be really great because it seems like all five of these players have a really strong desire to kill their opponents, to be incredibly aggressive. Um, if, In case you didn't know, Fnatic has the highest uh, combined kills per minute in the LEC at one. It's over one. It's 1.01 combined kills per minute for this team. But I really enjoy watching this team because, again, I always appreciate a team that is willing to take a lot more risks and willing to go for some of these like 30 70 plays where it's 30 in your favor 70 not in your favor and just believe in your hands like i'm always gonna really enjoy watching teams like that well i i also wanted to bring up niski as an interesting element in this because niski i feel like junglers tend to look pretty good and have a lot of success when he's around yeah he's definitely a uh, it's weird because I know Niski's come out. I, I've talked to him on and off the record about this, but like he's come out as a really big fan of Doinbee after um, 2019 or during 2019 because of the way that Doinbee plays for side lanes. And in order to play that style and play it really well, you have to have really good communication with your jungler. And Niski historically is actually like, his jungler, the junglers on his teams look really good, but then for some reason he never receives. And I don't know if it's credit because like he shouldn't he shouldn't receive credit because obviously the jungler is doing well. But mid jungle is such a important part of the way League of Legends is played, and Niski tends to do a lot for his junglers. Um, so I'm glad that you called that out, Travis. Yes, well, it's something. You, you had mentioned to me previously about him on, on Fnatic, and it made me think about just how many times. Like, he's one of those players where, you know, we're coming up on MVP stuff, and I feel like 
He's just cursed to never be able to get an MVP, <laughs> even though he it, he enables others to get MVP. I remember that was a big discussion. I think last year, maybe the year before, around uh, what he he was doing for Blabber. So yeah. I think that's the LEC topics for this week. But shout out to Rogan Fanag, tied up top at uh, ten wins. And by the way, as much as you had mentioned to me. And Ender had said the same thing. Maybe we shouldn't believe in Misfits. Misfits still number three in the standings. But moving on to the LCS, uh, where, again, we're we're being forced to talk about CLG. <laughs> we have something I'm so tired of. Um, last night I did, instead of Hotline League, because Mark was traveling, and this this month marks my 10-year anniversary in League Esports, uh, which in, e- in Esports years is, is insane. I had... Kobe, Aphromoo, and Doublelift all on, and we talked a lot about the old CLG days uh, for them as a a 10-year anniversary of State of the League. So, uh, but that that brings us to this week's Q&A, which was, what do you think CLG needs to do in and off the rift or something something mm-hmm. along those lines, looking at both of the the problems that this organization seems to have outside and in the, in the game. MSG should sell to Mr. Beast, says Rice Mage. <laughs> Uh, the Mr. Beast stuff, Beast stuff has just been so funny. It's a, he's lingered yeah. across the league. Give Rick Fox a team again. Kick out CLG. A lot of people want MSG to sell the brand to somebody let else. Let Kobe, Jacob said, let Kobe take it over so he can kick them out of the LCS in revenge. Yes, yes. Uh, Sean here says, sell to Travis Gafford Industries. All the game feel that tgi has uh will be sure to feel that i love it when people integrate my sponsors into uh, the spotify stuff uh but <laughs> I, no i mean I, I, love, I mean so i'll say this i think the thing that i really loved about all of the responses we received this week outside of a few is that none of them are targeting the players and like i tweeted this to kelsey moser uh publicly the other day um after that like horrific uh clg imt game where I, I was just like, I hope that people don't take the players' entire careers into consideration. Like, like I hope this doesn't end up affecting these players' careers too much. Because if yeah. I'm scouting these players, like, I would still try to give them a tryout. Because obviously, the team atmosphere here is so bad. And it's really difficult to play well in that kind of environment. Like, I would just completely scrap you know, this entire year from their records. And, like, then if you want to go into criticizing the players for what they did last year or the year before, go for it. But, like, honestly, uh, this year, all these players on CLG, I would just give them a pass. Because <laughs> it just just seems to be, like, so terrible. He, uh, Poe Belter, tweeted this past week, the morning before, well, actually, I'll start from the stop. That was painful to watch. I know for sure the players on CLG are way better than that. I think the team environment became way too negative and doomed. Super, super high pressure, and I don't think anyone can succeed or play with confidence underneath those circumstances. Then in a follow-up tweet, he wrote, The the morning before the last match I played for CLG, I broke down crying in front of my coach because I just felt increasingly sheer misery over the past few weeks. It just felt like nothing at all was going right. I had nothing, never felt that way in seven-plus years as an LCS pro. So I I do think people are starting to... First off, I I feel really bad for Poe Belter. Harry's been like a super nice guy. and I But I am happy that he is being so transparent with this mm-hmm. stuff because I do think, to your point, 
it will provide a lot more context for the performance that these players are having. And I, I do think that for some of these guys that it'll be like, I worry about wild turtle and smoothie, you know, smoothies played for so many teams before wild turtle's been around for a long time. If you told me that they don't find starting positions in the LCS next year, I would believe you. But I, I hope that a player like Broxa um, and Poe Belter and others are able to get other chances because I think they, they, in my opinion, have not sort of burned their through their like second chances as as much. And I mean, Poe Belter and Broxa in very recent years have had a lot of success competing. So I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how things go uh, for CLG, but it is. It is tough times there. Uh, and thanks everyone who, who answered our Q&A. All right. Oh, damn. We still have to talk about DeMonte. This team yeah, never stops. <laughs> All just... right. What do, you, what do you think about the sort of emergency? Well, I guess it's not technically. It feels like an emergency. Emergency DeMonte to the rescue move for CLG. Well, it unfortunately didn't work. I feel bad because, you know, we've talked about uh, DeMonte here before about how we want to see him succeed and he's kind of been bounced back between Academy and LCS and LCS and Academy, etc. Obviously coming to this environment, not an optimal situation. I'm not surprised that it didn't immediately transform the team, especially after the you know horrible week they had at the beginning of last week. Um, I will say like the the microcosm for how things are going at CLG right now was the the CLG IMT throw where like it finally looked like they had a game plan, right? Like Broxa was going to target bot side and that was it, you know? And they get a lead and it's like, okay, finally we're going to do something with this. And then IMT steals the Baron. I think they stole a dragon before that as well, if I remember correctly. And it just like all falls apart. And I think that is a lot more to do with team atmosphere than anything else. So it was going to be really hard for DeMonte to come in and like, quote unquote, save this team. You know what? I think I don't know his financial situation, but assuming he's okay, I actually think it was a mistake for DeMonte to join CLG. Like, I know he really wants to play in LCS again. Right. So but. Uh, and I I will say this, I don't think this is going, because I do think he joined already at the point where people are like, this is not a player issue, it's an organizational structural issue. I just don't know if he gains much out of it. Maybe he was optimistic and thought like, oh yeah, we'll come in, but what if they lose every single game th- for like the next, there's only two more weeks left, right? So... I just, he comes in and they go like zero and nine or whatever. I don't know. I, I, hindsight is 2020, but maybe he thought things weren't as doomed. But man, I just, I don't even know if it was worth it at that point in time. And like, I am very curious to see how CLG handles offseason because, God, like going, joining CLG right now just feels like a death sentence. I know that Greg went over there. We talked about that. Maybe he'll reboot things, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of work done that he has to do behind the scenes to convince people uh, to join. And I, I feel like it's going to have to be like, we have just completely reset everything, you know, like completely new roster, completely new support staff. You know, I love Tafo, but I think Tafo should find a different gig within uh, CLG because I don't even know how much of this is his fault, but certainly because he's the public face of it, uh, it it feels like things are gonna get tough for him. Anyway, finally we can move on from CLG 
REG the best team in the LCS right now, Emily? Yes. Moving on. That's so wild to me. <laughs> it's so funny because at the start of the split, I don't think anyone would have thought. I mean, obviously, people didn't anticipate like the team Liquid and Cloud9 stuff or whatever, but I just feel like they kind of came out of nowhere. And I know I've been saying that for weeks, so maybe it's time for me to stop, but it's just uh, wild to me how well they've been they've been doing and i don't know i it's just fascinating i want to say week three is when i started to believe in them i knew that they weren't going to continue because they had the oh three week one right and everyone was just like this team uh like roll out the laundry list of things that people say about jazuke every time um i've already talked in the fanatic section about how partial i am to teams like this so I thought, and I think it was week three, that I did a breakdown of their one three one using the, not a telestrator, but like I the giant wall. Like Kaizen was on the TSM side and I was on the EG side. And I was like, look, this team can be fantastic if they end up setting their one three one correctly because they do take these risks. And um, I, uh, that's when I, I feel like I saw, I guess, the glimpses of what they could become. But I definitely think even I still underestimated like how how valuable it is to have personalities on this team that just all get along and again all see the game in a very similar way in terms of how they want to play. Yeah. Well, similarly, we've had Golden Guardians and Fly pop off. Now I think Fly went one and two this weekend, so I know that pop off sounds weird. But given that they're Fly Quest Academy, the fact that they're taking any major games uh and they have several times since they showed up is very fascinating to me and i want to check in with you and and find out like do you believe in either of these two teams long term do you think either of them are a like let's let's say we didn't have playoffs coming because i i've i'm sad that both of them cannot make it into playoffs but let's say we had a, a longer period of time do you think that they would make it into the top five either of them um, it depends on how long you're talking. I think the so like the fly quest team, if they're given another split to develop, I'd be really curious to see where they're at because this team this week was pretty rough for them. The the one game they did win was that game against TSM where they just like won, won this like miracle team fight. Uh if you remember and yes. and then and we were all just like what is going on? Um but so I believe in Golden Guardians a little bit more because they seem to have a more concrete draft strategy that I really like around the Diana. Um, they kind of supplement it with some weird picks. We obviously saw the Tom Kench, uh, you know, mid this past week. Um, but I, I like their drafting strategy. I think it's very smart for them. And I think that they're a few steps ahead in terms of how they see the map fly I have to work on a lot in terms of actual like game macro but again it can be a lot easier to work on that when you obviously already have a team that gets along and sees the game similarly emily do you think that 100t and eg are the the top two lcs teams right now yes yeah Okay. I'd say I'd say TSM can sneak in there too because this match no. is going to be good for them. But stick yeah. with Hunter T at EG because I've got to bamboozle you here. Oh God! In the past two weeks, Golden Guardians has beaten EG and Hunter T. Yep. So should Golden Guardians be the best team in the LCS right now? 
We don't go by transitive properties here, Travis. I'm just saying, uh, these guys, you know, they're beating the top teams. And so how long until we suggest that <laughs> they are a top team? Anyway, uh, we last week we asked everybody to let us know, what do you think of the current LCS format as opposed to previous years? Like, do you like it? And we looped in everything, right? Like lock in three days a week, et cetera, et cetera. And your answers to the poll were... Yes, 61%, no, 20%, and undecided, 19%. You know what's funny is I think I would be in the undecided category because we've talked a couple times, Emily, about the format this year, and I, I can't help but feel like I have really mixed feelings about it because the three days a week thing I think I'm actually kind of starting to sour on. I think it is... Uh, I, I'm pretty undecided too. The results surprised me though because I thought a lot more people were going to be down on the format than what ended up happening. Like I thought people were just going to be like, it sucks, uh, like no all the way because I've seen a lot of people complaining about how it sometimes feels like the stakes have been removed with the way that spring carries over into summer. And you're kind of looking at the summer record to get a better gauge on where teams are. But um, the actual standings for playoffs don't reflect that because it, spring is included. And I'm still not sure how I feel. That's the, that's the main sticking point for me. I don't really like that because I think teams heading into Worlds, whether people like to admit it or not, are always going to be the teams that are best in that meta right now, despite the fact that Worlds is supposed to be reflective of the entire year. Um, and historically, only SKT has been a team that's been able to win across multiple metas. Uh, otherwise, it's just been the best team in the meta at that moment, which isn't to take away from Worlds winners. It's just to say that I, for that reason, I like to see it weighted more towards summer because you then get better matches at Worlds. Well, on the other hand, I feel like that's like if if these teams have fallen off, right? Like if you're looking in, you're like, okay, well, TL and C9 are not as good as their total standings show. They should lose in playoffs, right? I mean, playoffs should do a pretty good job of pruning any team that doesn't deserve to go to Worlds. We shall see. Yeah. Oh, you're you're is, skeptical. Well, that's where so that is where I'm really curious to see how teams do in best of fives, but we'll see. Yeah, I know I'm I'm very fascinated too because it does feel like this is the wildest split of LCS we've had in terms of competition. And uh, if you told me that like all of this was is for naught because TL, you know TSM and C9 all show up in the playoffs and just beat down everybody in best of fives, I feel like that's. There's a decent chance of that, but we'll see. I, I, I actually am, I have such a hard time deciding what playoffs is going to look like these days. We need all of you to get to work and open up the Spotify app right now on your phone. Navigate to this week's episode of Rift Reaction and answer this poll, which is, which role do you think is most impactful in this meta? And the options are top jungle mid bot support, unsurprisingly. What a surprise. Well, I think I just it's been interesting because I feel like maybe I've been watching too much Double of Sneaky Medios co-stream stuff, but I feel like there's been a lot of discussion recently about the like strengths of different roles in the mm -hmm. and you know competitive and like what's going really well. And so I'd love to hear from everybody 
uh, what they think. And I know you have some opinions on this, Emily. So we'll we'll hear those next week uh, as we unroll, unfurl everyone else's answers. So anyway, we got LCK matches of the week and some T1 drama. Let's start with the LCK match of the week, Emily. All right. So this was tough because I could have also chosen T1 Damwon, which I think people should also watch. However, I ended up choosing Nongshim Red Force versus Damwon Kia, mainly because I think Nongshim is a team that has evolved so much uh, since the beginning. I was talking about how whether Gori was going to be able to help this team out when he came on, and he visibly has. Uh, especially if you look at the way that Peanut has been able to play. He is a jungler who's always going to benefit from having a strong mid laner. Um, I really enjoy watching Tuktam and Kellen in the bot lane. I think they're actually making a case for themselves as the best like 2v2 bot duo in the LCK, which is really cool. Um, it unfortunately also makes them a pretty good match into Damwon because I think Damwon play a lot more around jungle and solo lanes. It's a great match and everyone should watch it. Um, and I think it, it's just a good demonstrator of a lot of people have been kind of sitting back and being like, are Nongshim Red Force the real deal? And like, I think this does show that in this particular meta, like, yes, they absolutely are. All right. Well, last Wednesday, I dropped in our Spotify podcast Discord chat uh, where it's you, me, and our producer. I dropped the link to the T1 Twitter post, which was in the midst of just blowing up, where they said, T1 has terminated the contracts of Danny and Zepha. After careful consideration and internal evaluation over the past few months, we're making this change at this point and as an effort to reinvigorate our team's chances of success with eight games remaining. We wish them the best, blah, blah, blah. What was your immediate reaction to this, Emily? Because I know this is they've been like the drama team this year and the LCK, it feels like. I was really surprised only because I feel like if you're going to make this decision, you make it after your most recent loss. So a lot of people were speculating that this was because of a week five loss um, that they had to Nongshim Red Force, which was a 2-0, um, where, you know, T1 just actually looked like they were really, really struggling against this team. And, you know, this seemed, this kind of decision, T1 has made a lot of, like, really weird roster choices in spring. They were constantly rotating through the roster, and these two coaches specifically said they didn't think it would be this hard to have a rotating roster. But the reason why this is so awkward is it didn't come right off the game, right? So uh, Danny gives an interview uh, like that's like, everything's fine. You know, like basically the typical standard coach interview. I still really believe yeah. in this team, et cetera. That, that interview, I think, had just been translated and like was on Reddit at the time that this news dropped eight hours before they're supposed to face KT Rolster in the LCK, which KT, as you can tell, are not a good team, um, if you've heard me talk at all about them, because I'm yes, for years. an actual fan for years. But, you know, this 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 uh, season in particular, they have not been very good. And so, you, but you're still facing this team within, in less than eight hours. And then, and then you drop this, and you don't name a successor. Props to T1 for deciding to make that decision. I know 
I was highly skeptical of any roster decisions that they made because they always seemed to be very, um, we're going to put this person in and then obviously that doesn't work out. So they we swap them and Random. we put this other person in. And yeah, I just thought their messaging around it was like really, really bad. And then they had this press conference that Polt did where he's like, I was behind this decision, but then actually it came from upper management and he named Joe Marsh. And it was just the dispensing of this information was kind of a fiasco. Well, I'm happy that as LCS teams struggle to figure out how to communicate any kind of roster change or whatever, that we have LCK teams that are also struggling. This is just (laughs) the, the year of that. All right. The LPL match to watch. Yeah, let's go. So, um, LPL had a lot of really exciting matches this week. Uh, Obviously, I think everyone should also go watch Top Esports versus FPX. It shows a lot of Top Esports' flaws and FPX's strengths. But the match to watch that I chose was EDG versus RNG. It's a classic. You have to ask yourself the question, why do EDG always have trouble against RNG? And I think it's because EDG typically, or at least this year, play very standard style and RNG will typically trade and it won't necessarily look like a good trade, but then they're thinking like three steps ahead and they're just constantly cross-map trading. Um, Xiaohu is is making his case for one of the best LPL players of all time after like post-roll swap, which is incredibly fascinating, but it's a, it's a really fun match. And I'm sorry to one of my friends who is an EDG fan who's probably going to be very sad that I'm well, recommending We'll have to one. find out if RNG are back, uh, even though they're in 12th place and are 5-5. Five and five. All right, time for reaction shots. All right, for my reaction shot, I have like a bit of a nostalgia trip because, as I mentioned earlier, I, I did the 10-year anniversary episode of State of the League last night with some friends, and it just got me thinking about how wild it is that 10 years on, one, that this is still happening. You know, I don't think I necessarily assumed when LCS was starting that it would continue to be a thing in 2021. Not because I didn't have faith in it, but just because of how ephemeral like game trends are. You know, there's very few World of Warcrafts or Brood Wars that have just been around for a very long time. CSGO. And it's been really neat to see what League has been able to do during all that time. And the fact that I'm still doing interviews with players and we're still talking about CLG struggling and all these different things has been fun for me. But I do really miss the old school kind of like grassroots feel of things like IPL. You know, not that that's super grassroots. It's not like a, a local community center or something. It's still in Vegas. But it was just like a very different time and so i don't know i i I miss that sometimes and i hope i I think as we're looking at what we want the next 10 years to be we should probably reflect a little bit on where we started and think about ways that we can still pull some of that feel in because i think there's been opportunities like all-stars and stuff like that where we just haven't ever been able to really get it back and i'm hoping that we can take some of the best parts of the most recent years and some of the best parts of the early years and combine them into something really cool as we look towards the next 10, which also leads me to this week's Q and a again, the Spotify app, open up rift reaction. Let us know what do you miss about old league esports? And when I say old league esports, that can be, maybe you started listening uh, to our interviews and our coverage 
but mostly watching League of Legends in 2017, maybe there's some crazy cool thing you have from there. It doesn't necessarily need to be something where you were watching all the way back in 2010, 2011, or whatever. Uh, but regardless, you know, what were some of the things that you have? What memories do you have from when you first started getting into League or the early days that you, you miss uh, and you think back on? So I'd love to, to see some of those responses because I think it's going to be really cool. People, I'm sure a lot of you remember things that I don't, uh, and you can uh, help remind us for next week's episode. Emily, your reaction shot. Mine's like the exact opposite of yours. I'll give my, I will give my what I miss about Old League, though, next week. Um, so I kind of stole this from Lyric, who is a caster in LPL, but I fully agree with this statement, and I wish that other teams would pick up on it uh, outside of the LPL as well. And it's that LeBlanc is not the infallible mid lane pick you think she is. Um, I'm actually really uh, sick of teams uh, blind picking LeBlanc. And I hope that uh, teams around the world, in addition to LPL teams where we've seen them pull out stuff like the Lissandra or Galio or something to, to mitigate LeBlanc. She ha actually has a lot of counters that work really well in this meta in certain compositions. And yeah, I, I want to see people really, really, really try to challenge her because I just, I, I think she is good, but not as good as people think she is, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. That's the episode. Uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in and continues to tune in. It it might be 10 years of, of League of Legends coverage for me, but it's been 10 episodes of Rift Reaction. Ooh, and, a nice uh, time. Emily, I like that. Yes, thank you. I That's why I get paid the big bucks. Uh, actually, that's not why. It's because they need somebody next to you to help ask questions and get your wisdom out. Either way, thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll catch you next week. Woo!